Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, Jerry, Jerry. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in his mind. Yo, that's a key phrase that I want you to look at. He had in his mind to divorce her quietly. In his mind, he was thinking, I'm going to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, I don't know if you've ever been there and had to consider doing something that you didn't want to do. There's something that broke your heart. There's something that you expected to turn out one way and it turned out another way. And yet you had to make a decision, even with a broken heart, he considered And an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Come on, God is never too far. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Hey, over the next few minutes, I'm going to sit down and I want to teach you from this idea little by little little by little I want you to take some notes I want you to write some stuff down because what I'm going to speak to you about is going to be very 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 practical come on father I love you I thank you for this opportunity that we have Lord to come before your presence Lord to speak to you Lord to spend time with you I pray father that today as I speak Lord God as I unpack what you have given me Lord speak to our hearts bring healing to our minds to our souls Lord bring healing to our hearts father Lord we love you and we thank you for everything that you will do before you do it Lord we believe that it's little by little father it's in your holy name that we pray Lord Jesus amen and amen come on if you're believing for God to give you a word would you put your hands together make some noise for Jesus all over this room amen little by little uh I have some of my incredible children I probably have the best kids the best well-behaved kids that you will ever find in your life one of them is in the back running our screens today Ramses I love you I'm gonna talk about you here a little bit but my kids I love them to death they have a problem none of your kids have this problem because Probably it's only mine, right, Keisha? My kid is the only one that it feels like they clean their room on Monday and by Wednesday, it looks like a nuclear bomb hit their room. For some of y'all, it might not be your kids. It might be you. Let me explain what happens. It's little by little. I tell them because I had a conversation the other day. I was telling them about cleaning the room and they got mad. They were like, but dad, the room is a mess. First of all, like, that's your problem. You did that. If you, if you take care of it little by little, and when you take your drawers off, Levi, this is counseling for me, if you learn how to take your towel after you take a shower, and the towel rack is not the floor, it's actually, it has a place that we put, you can put your towel up, you can put your clothes away. Some of y'all are, don't tap your husband too much. Look at me. Um, if you're watching online, don't look at your husband, look at me. But what happens is this, we, we have these things that get out of order little by little. You, we get healthy or unhealthy little by little. We, we, we get at the beginning of the year, we lose so much weight. And then by February, you know, 
Valentine's hit for some of y'all. You go out and you eat with your significant others. For some of y'all, y'all depressed because you don't have a significant other, so you eat chocolate. I don't judge you. We're gonna help you this year. I promise you, February is gonna be pretty fun. But but your weight gets out of control little by little. It's the grass, right? For some of us that own properties, we have this grass that we want to cut, and it feels like if you don't take care of it little by little and do it at least every week or every other week, before you know it, you have Tarzan swinging through your front yard. But it's all little by little. I think all of the issues of life, if I can be honest with you, they happen little by little. They don't just come out of the blue and hit you. Can I tell you that COVID, the season that we're in right now, little by little, this season has dismantled the mental stability of so many individuals across the United States and across our world. Let me explain something to you. When we look at this Christmas story, when we think about this, it's a lot of what's happening right now. One out of four individuals under the age of 30 have thought about suicide in this season. I know that we listen to the CDC to be able to hear what happens with COVID, but there is another side of the CDC that's called the actual um, health statistics that it gives you all of the information of things that people are going through on a regular basis. And right now you have one in four people under the age of 30 that have thought about committing suicide. One in 10 are the rest of us that have thought about taking their life during this season of COVID. From 2019, at the end of 2019, globally, all the way up to 2021 and towards the end of it where we find ourselves at right now. You know that the mental health hotline, the 1-800 number, the mental health, it has gone up 900%. They have had to, had to hire entire staffs around answering the phone calls of individuals that are calling because they're dealing with depression, suicidal thoughts. The season that we find ourselves in is not fun at all, divorce has gone up 20%. 20% of marriages are ending, especially during this season. Antidepressions, the medicine, it's gone up 200%. The usage, the sales of antidepressions have gone up 200% during this season. It's insane for us to look at everything that's going on around us and for us to think that this isn't, number one, something that's dealing with us directly and has touched several of us personally. But I want to explain to you something. Yes, there are biological implications to this. Yes, there is DNA implications. There is genetic issues that are here and that are at play during this. But if we only brush with the biological and the genetic strokes, and if we only relegate depression, anxiety to being biological and genetical disorders, then we lose an opportunity to find real healing. I might not be a doctor, but I'm a pastor. And there are some things that I think go along with mental disorders and the feelings that you feel that are not just biological issues, that are not just genetic DNA issues. And I'm gonna unpack them to you because I want you to understand a couple of things that I wanna break down real quick. Number one is that depression is not a malfunction of the brain it's a signal it's something that signifies yo there's something wrong right now number two is not only a signal but yo depression is not a stigma because we begin to think that when people have you yourself and the church has done such a poor job of this that when you yourself have any type of mental issues we're quick to relegate it to you having a demon the church is quick to relegate it to you not praying enough, you didn't fast enough, you didn't read your Bible enough, and for so long we have done such a poor disservice to you by telling you that there's something wrong with you and not really giving you the, uh, the tools to be able to do outside of reading your word and praying, which is real. Please understand this. Depression is not a stigma. It's a stigma. It's not a stigma. Sorry, I just took you three different ways. I have glasses on. That means that there's, there's something wrong with my eyes. 
I have, a, I have a disability in my eyes where I can't see as good as certain people. Some of you have contacts. Here's the thing. You never thought to yourself, I'm never going to this church. I can't listen to that preacher. He has a demon inside of him because he wears glasses. Or he's not saved enough. Or he's not holy enough. Or he doesn't know God enough because he's wearing glasses. And for those of you that don't go to the church because you think that, we'll have a conversation later about that. But you never really think to yourself because I'm wearing glasses. Something is wrong with my eyes. Neither should the church be judgmental when something is wrong with your brain brain because if something is happening up here we shouldn't judge people and say oh man you're just you're just you're just sad all the time you're so negative you're crying all the time we should actually bring help and my hope and my desire is that over the next three weeks I'm going to talk about depression anxiety over the next two weeks and then my wife is going to preach on the third week and she's going to talk about fear because I think these are two things that are tied together so much a lot of what happens by way of depression is fear because you're already thinking that you're going to lose the job that you just started you're going to think that that relationship that you just got into is going to end because you're going to do something wrong. And fear has disguised so much that I want to be able to unpack it. And my wife is going to explain it to you and I think it's going to be amazing. But I want you to understand that your depression is not a stigma. You don't look at me any different because I have a disability or I have a weakness in my eyes. Neither should we look at anybody differently who has a disability or has something that is going on with their brain. I want you to write this down. Your illness is not your identity. If you are struggling with mental health issues, if you are depressed, if you have anxiety, if you're dealing with these things, your illness is not your identity, is not who you are. As we look at the Christmas story and we look at the life of Joseph, we see something that's it's remarkable. You have a man who is going to marry a woman. They have had plans. At this point, if he proposed to her, that means that he has given a dowry. That means that he has invested into this thing. He paid money into this thing. All of a sudden, this woman is pregnant that he's about to marry. Doesn't make sense. She's pregnant before he marries her, meaning she had sex with somebody else, or at least that's what his mind has been telling him. Not only is there something wrong with that, but please understand in the state that we live in, in the Bible times, in this period, if a woman slept with a, with a man that was not her husband, at that point, she was in danger of being stoned and killed. Joseph, the Bible says, he begins to think in his mind. He begins to think all night long. Yo, I'm going to divorce her. I'm going to put her away silently because I don't want her to be killed. I'm going to just do it silently. Could you imagine the thoughts that he's having on his entire night? This Christmas story, I know you want the gifts and I know it's exciting. And you've been listening to Mariah Carey and Justin Bieber for the last few days. And you love Christmas and it's ring, ring, ring. And you got your, 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 your lights and your, and your trees and you have everything set up. But yo, the Christmas story was messy. The Christmas story carried a lot of weight. Things that I believe that we experience on a regular basis. But things that I want you to understand that are not for you to stay, that are not meant for you to just stay and live in those spaces. Though depression is something that's real, it's not meant for you to stay. I believe so because the scripture tells us. I want you to see something in Galatians. It'll come up on the screens. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has what? Set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In Galatians, the Bible is telling us that freedom is available to us. You know that in the Old Testament, they had a prophet. His name was Jeremiah. Jeremiah's nickname was the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, if you've ever read the book of Lamentations, you have an entire book that is really based around depression. That Jeremiah was going through it 
and that he allowed for it to be spilled out through his writing. It's found in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17 through 20. It says, I have been deprived of peace. I don't know if you've ever felt that. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Nothing I do works, bro. Nothing. Everything I try to do, I take ten, four steps forward and 10 steps backward. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord, meaning God can't even help me. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and guile. I will remember them. My soul is downcast within me. These thoughts just keep going around, around in your head. This is depression. I'm depressed, bitterness, guile. My mind's wandering with affliction. My soul is downcast within me. This is the Old Testament, but you can actually see that in the New Testament, there were some individuals who dealt with this stuff as well. Paul, the apostle who we love and is an amazing man of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. I don't know if you felt that. I, I just, you feel pressure. It's like everything is like, I need to do this. And even when you're done with all your tasks, you go home and you still walk around like, there's something I need to do. Is it the dishes, the laundry? Like you're carrying this thing and you're walking around with it at all times. And it's just a pressure that you're constantly feeling it. Far beyond our ability to endure. I can't take this, Paul is saying. So that we despaired of life itself. I want to die. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to keep carrying this. Joseph was here. But I love how God brought an antidote. The reason why I brought this thing so low is because this week, I want to show you six different ways that we enter into depression. Six different ways that things happen in our life that happen to cause depression, anxiety in our life. But I also want to give you the escape out of that. And next week, I'm going to give you some tools that you can actually live by that over the next few weeks, heading into the Christmas season, but in 2022, that these are tools that you can start using whenever you start to slip or whenever you start to revert back to your old ways, that you can grab onto these things and find yourself out of depression and find yourself out of mental illness. I want to show you something. There are nine different factors to mental illness, to depression, anxiety. There's nine, the studies have shown, scientists, people who are way smarter than me have, have identified that there are nine different ways. And can I tell you that out of the nine different ways, there's only two of them that have to do with your biology and your genetics. There's seven of them that have to do with your lifestyle. That means that 70% or close to it, of the things that you do with your lifestyle can actually lead you to depression. So what happens if we notice these things, we identify them and we're able to tweak them and change them. That means that we can live healthy lives and we don't have to be swamped by medication. We don't have to be swamped by therapy. And listen to me, none of those things inherently are wrong. Two of them are the issues that cause depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Two of them are biological and biological and they are genetic issues. And maybe there are things inside of you that medicine, it's not the devil. It's not the mark of the beast. Some of us have to do those things because there are chemical imbalances inside of us. So please understand understand me that I'm not speaking about that. I'm not speaking about having conversations with counselors or psychiatrists. I think there should be people that you have conversations with. As a matter of fact, we believe that so much that that's the reason why we created G groups. Our G groups are so that you can get three or four people in your corner that you can be real with and that you can say, yo, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. And for those other four people to say, yo, me either. Let's try to figure this thing out on our all together. But it's together in the context of 
people that you would find healing. And I'm going to talk about that in my message. I'm getting ahead of myself. But nine different, seven of them, six of them right now, I'm going to talk to you about. Six of them. There's seven causes that are lifestyle issues. Two of those are mental, biological, and genetic Seven of them are lifestyle things that will cause you to go into depression. Number one, I want you to write this down. Number one is actually two of them. So I'm going to read six of them. But number two, number one is two of them. I'm completely throwing you and confusing the heck out of y'all. Come back to me. There's seven reasons lifestyle wise that you enter into depression. Number one, I'm going to break it into number one A and number one B. Easier said. Meaningful work and values. Are number one, these are the reasons, meaningful work and values. We are living in such a fast-paced America, especially here in the West. We are living in such a fast-paced method, bro, that it's killing us. It's absolutely destroying us. Our phones, bro, this thing right here is absolutely kicking our butts. For some of us, Facebook, Instagram, text messages, WhatsApp. You can go down the list of so many different applications. I didn't even mention TikTok. I can go down the list of so some of y'all are on Reddit and on Pinterest too much. Like I can go down the list. All of these things are found in here. Some of y'all use the Google too much. Yo, this thing right here is absolutely killing us right now. Watch what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six, because this will give you context as to health. Better is one hand with tranquility than two hands full with toil and chasing after the wind. Everything that is doable doesn't mean that it's sustainable. And for a lot of us, meaningful values is, is deteriorated by priorities, meaning that we have, we get up so quick in the morning to answer a text message, to look at our phone before we ever have a conversation with the Lord, yet alone our spouse, our, our wife or our husband, that we find ourselves completely thwarting all of our priorities and it's find meaningless. And before you know it, you've watched 75 episodes and four different seasons of a show on Netflix and you haven't spent one time on yourself or on your spouse or on your own spiritual lifestyle. And before you know it, you have so much, your values, they're, they're meaningless. Not only is it meaningless, but number one reason for depression for a lot of people in the United States of America is meaningless work. It's the fact that you're doing something that you don't love. Yo, listen to me. Come back, please. Don't, don't log off real quick. Come back because some of y'all, that's, that's all I needed to hear. I'm quitting my job. No, stop. That's not what I'm saying. Hold up, bro. Hold up. Don't do that. But if you are doing something that you're waking up every single morning and you're dreading going to work and you're doing it because you get a paycheck, then bro, you need to come to your senses. And you need to get to a space where you say, hold on one second. I know that for a season, I'm going to do what I promised and I'm going to fulfill my commitments. But you need to start dreaming again. You need to start thinking, yo, what are the things that are in your heart? What are, not, not in your wife's heart, not in your husband's heart, not in your friend's heart, not in your mom's heart, not in your dad's heart. What are the things that God has put in your heart? What are the things that actually bring meaning to you that when you wake up in the morning, you're excited about it? Can I tell you, man, that I had a successful career. I was happy doing what I was doing, but there was something inside of me that told me, yo, God, I have an assignment and there's something that I want to do and something that I was excited about. I, I, I'm not nowhere near close to what I was, but can I tell you that I wake up every single morning and for some of you that are in here, I probably annoy you because I send you text messages early in the morning asking you about my passion, which is you, Greater Church. 
My passion is you guys. My passion is the guys that are watching online, the guys that are here right here, the ladies that are here. This is my passion. I feel fulfilled every day of my life. I have a smile on my face. I go to bed knowing that I made a difference in somebody's life. When we walk through seasons together, though they're heavy in your life, to watch the change that happens in you, I'm excited about this thing. Meaningful work, number one. Meaningful values are number two. These are, the, these are the main things that actually begin to cause depression in your life. For some of us, how do we get a solution to this? Take a Sabbath. One day out of the week, stop. Do you know what the word Sabbath means if you break it down to its common lowest denominator? Stop producing. Take a day where you're not producing. Sabbath, don't produce, don't wash the dishes, wash them on the day before your Sabbath. Just sit a day where you could just sit there and just be. Like learn to rest, bro. For some of us, it's so hard, especially in the pace that we live. It, it becomes four or five weeks. I'm the biggest hypocrite preaching right now because it'll be four or five weeks, six weeks into it, and I haven't taken a day off. And every single day, it's an email answering a thing, going to meet somebody. I got to go to breakfast. I got to do this. I try to fight as much as I can for my days, and I'm doing a lot better, y'all. Don't look at me with those judgmental eyes. I've done a lot better, but I take a day where I'm just like, yo, I'm just going to hang out with my kids and my wife, and I just want to spend some time. I'm going to sit on the couch. I might not change clothes for about two days. I may or may not take a shower, but you know, amen. <laughs> but I, but I, I think some of us, we need to do that. Because it's, it's always the next thing. The next thing is number one, meaningful work. Now, number one, A is meaningful work. Number one, A, B is values. Number two, comparison. The reasons why we go into depression, number two, it's comparison. This thing again, man, this phone right here creates so much of it. Comparison is the enemy of joy. It will kill joy every single time. And every time we scroll through Instagram and we're like, man, I need to do that to my grass. I want to wear that shirt. I need to get my hair done that way. I need to make sure I want to go on that vacation. Oh, that car looks nice. Before you begin to know it, man, you're scrolling. And then what happens to me is sometimes I'll be scrolling and then I'll stop and I say, wait, I wanted to do something and I needed, I saw something here that I wanted to do and I forgot. And then I'm scrolling back up to the top to find the thing that I don't even need. But yet I see it and I'm like, maybe I need that. Comparison is the enemy of joy. Galatians chapter six, verse five, four and five. It says, each one of you should test their own actions that they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing yourself to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. We're carrying the things. I'm guilty of this, of watching this amazing pastor and this incredible congregation and saying to myself, yo, I need to do these things because I want to look like them. Or I want to make sure that our congregation grows or looks like that or is healthy like that or gives that way. And before you know it, I'm carrying the load that belongs to somebody else that God never gave me that assignment. He never gave me that call. But what I'm doing is that I'm carrying somebody else's load in my mind. And before you know it, if you start doing that and you start comparing your spouse you start comparing your kids you start comparing your house your car and you start comparing it to different things then you're going to start wanting those things and every day you're carrying this weight that you don't need to carry that this right here you could eliminate it by just eliminate a simple tactic eliminate social media take a break from that junk and watch as you slowly start coming back to health i don't need to have that i don't need to impulse buy that thing i don't need to be like them man god has given me my assignment god has given me my family and i'm pleased i'm content with what i with what i have test your own answers it was theodore test your own actions it was theodore roosevelt who said comparison is the thief of joy I've learned in this season, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm a horrible follow because I don't post. 
on Facebook, I'm a horrible follow because I don't I don't post very much because I've understood how much this has created and stolen joy from me. And I've learned to put this thing back. I've learned to do a thing called selective ignorance. I'm not stupid. I know what's happening in our country. I know the things while people are excited about something and get behind some type of political or social arena and they find themselves screaming. And then after a while, it kind of fades away. They don't longer think about it. We're still having those conversations. We're still two weeks ago having a conversation with Ackworth Police Department and sitting down with them and figuring out ways that we can make the community and the police engage together. It's not popular anymore. I'm not posting about these things, but there are things that we're still doing on a regular basis. We're still finding ourselves in the high schools having conversations with the principals and figuring out how can we bridge the gap between the students that are constantly fighting and the students that are actually making a difference. How can we actually engage them? We're working, but you're not going to see it on a bunch of social media. You're going to see it if you're part of our team and you're part of what we're doing here because this is a fertile ground where we actually go out and we do these things so number one man or number two make sure that you don't let comparison sneak in that's an easy way for you to enter into depression use selective ignorance some stuff you don't need to know about number three is ruminating talk ruminating talk what what is ruminating ruminating so a cow they will go into a into a pasture right and they will begin to eat the green grass the cud, and they will eat it, and they will chew it up in their mouth, and then they swallow it, and then they'll go walk a little bit later, and then they'll spit back up what they chewed, the cud, they'll chew it up again, and they'll swallow it, and they'll do this process a couple of times. Isn't that what it looks like in our own life sometimes? Where you're sitting there thinking about something, and then you swallow it, I don't, I don't want to deal with this no more, I don't want to think about this person. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, but you know what? Next time I see them, I'm going to tell them this because I should have told. And then you bring it right back up and then you chew it up again a little bit more and you think about it and then you swallow it again. Do you know that the more you do that, the more disgusting it is, the more angry you get, the more bitter you get, the more depressed you get because you're just bringing it up and you're swallowing it and you're bringing it up and you're swallowing it. And it's just constantly happening. There was a writer. His name is Brian Tracy. He said, 95 of your emotions are determined by how you talk to yourself. I've said it over and over. Nobody lies to you more than you do to yourself. Nobody discourages me more than I do to myself. Nobody is a worse counselor to Chino than Chino. Nobody is a worse counselor to you than you. That's why we need people. We got to have people around us. Philippians chapter four, verse eight through nine. I love verse six and seven. One of my favorite ever because it talks to you about when you're dealing with anxiety, how you should bring your supplications to the Lord and how God gives you peace. But then he takes it a step further in verse eight and nine. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy think about such things think about what you think about these are the things that you should be thinking about think about such things whatever you have learned or received or heard from me which we have the bible or seen in me put it into practice and god and the god of peace will be with you if we keep thinking about these negative thoughts and it's always this is going to end up bad and this is this person's going to lie to me this is going to get taken from me this is going to happen yo before you know it you're constantly going to find yourself in those same spaces chewing it up spitting it back out chewing it up swallowing it spitting back out when god has told us yo begin to think on the things that are pure on the things that are holy on the things that are good think about these things yo these things are found all through scripture for some of us we need to get a few bible verses use the google and find a few bible 
Bible verses that are going to help you in the areas that you're struggling with and try to memorize them as much as you can because I promise you this is what's going to bring health to your life. Number four, inability to process pain in a healthy way. Number one, meaningful work and values. Number two, comparison. Number three is ruminating talk. And number four is inability to process pain in a healthy way. There is healthy ways to process pain and there is unhealthy ways to process pain. In this season especially, we've seen drug use go through the roof. Do you know that in March, drug use went up 14%. March, you remember the March, March 2019 when COVID hit. Drug use went up 14%. By May, drug use was up 29%. By the summer, it was up 42%. Right now, it's over the hundreds of people who are medicating themselves and dealing with their pain in ways that are not meant for them to deal with. And drugs is just one of the medications, marijuana, cocaine, a crack. These are just one ways. There's alcohol. Some of the medication is food. Some of our medication, and I'm going to talk it just here in just a second. Some of our medication is isolation. And we're like, I'm going to just deal with this by not dealing with people. And there's pain and things that have happened in your heart and things that have happened over this last season before this season ever came about and you're dealing with them and you're processing them in the wrong way. One of the best ways that we've learned here as a church to be able to deal with it and at the top of the year we're going to talk about it a little more is the, is the book by Rob Reimer called Soul Care. And Soul Care gives you some steps on how to be able to notice and identify. But there's areas in that book, a chapter and a complete, a complete chapter that is specifically written for you to deal with the wounds that you haven't closed yet that are affecting everything on your life that there are things that you haven't dealt with that people don't even know about that happened to you when you were 6 13 19 things that happened in your life that you haven't processed very well and they're showing up and they're actually hurting you they're leading you into depression because you don't know how to deal with these things it's an inability to deal with pressure and an ability to deal with pain it was Freud, uh, a famous psychologist who said that the purpose of life is pleasure. The purpose of life is pleasure. It's for you to enjoy life, for you to just have pleasure. And then there's this other guy, Viktor Frankl. After World War II, after World War II, he began to start um, having a therapy with different individuals who survived the Holocaust the people who were burned in the oven, the Jewish peoples. And he was actually in uh, Australia. And, um, and he began to actually have these people come over and he started talking to them and he started counseling them. 100% of the people that he talked to that survived the Holocaust were suicidal. 100% of every Jewish individual that he met was suicidal. And here it was that he was talking to them and having a conversation and he discovered that the, the purpose of life is not just for pleasure, but the purpose of life is for you to understand that there is a purpose to find meaning and then you will find pleasure from that. But what happens is that we begin to live in this inability of trying to figure stuff out because pain has caused such a view. And we've talked about it before. It feels like pain blocks you so much. And because what happened to you when you were a kid and you didn't know how to deal with it. So what you did was that you put up a wall. Number one, we don't talk about that. Or number two, I don't like listening to that song. Oh, I don't like talking about it. I don't like doing that. And you put up this wall and you wonder, yo, why is it that I don't do that? Why is it that I don't like to celebrate that? Or why is it that I can't listen to that? Because when we were young, we put up this block. I'm never going to let anybody touch me or hurt me that way again. And I'm not 
you have a friend and after a little while you start feeling uncomfortable like, yo, we've been friends too long. I got to end this relationship because you self-sabotage because you haven't dealt with the things that happened to you before and you think that they're going to hurt you the way that this person hurts you. And we go from relationship to relationship, even romantic relationships because of what happened to us. We're like, we're not going to let another person do this to us. And before you know it, you're doing things to your husband or to your wife that you had no idea that you're doing to them because it's part of who you are. It's your mechanism. The inability to process pain correctly will hurt you in so many different ways. It was, it was Franco who he said, it is a man's purpose. If a man has no purpose or meaning, then he will dull his pain with pleasures. He began to develop this thing called logotherapy. And logotherapy had three different, three little things. Watch this. Three little things that made it happen. Logotherapy, you can research it, that helped people to, con to concentrate on their pain and to be able to heal their pain. Number one, it was meaningful work. Number two, it was a community of friends. And number three, it was finding the purpose of your pain. Three things that he did that was super simple. Don't they look a lot like what God told us to do? The way that we've actually instituted and created this thing called Greater Church, we want people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We want you to have a creator, which he doesn't have here. We want you to meet your creator. We want you to meet God and have a relationship with Jesus. He's going to heal you. But then we want you to find freedom. We want you to have people alongside of you that you can do life with, that you have a community of individuals that know the real you and that can walk through seasons with you. But we want you to also develop your purpose. What were you created for? Because if you understand your design, then you'll know your destiny. Find out what it is, what makes you tick, what makes you have fun. What, what is your tool that you use better than anybody else? Some of us, we can deal with kids. I have kids and I have to deal with them but my goal in life is not to be a kids pastor for some of you you know how to deal with kids and laugh and teach them and it's something that God has put inside of you that leads you to the fourth one know God find freedom discover your purpose and then make a difference that's the reason why we have our third teams that's the reason why Jamal has an incredible team that goes and welcomes everybody when they walk in and the reason why we set up the chairs is because we want you to sit in a chair for you to hear the gospel for your life to be changed and it happened because somebody actually came in early and set up a chair that there's people that are talking to you right on online and Isaac is sitting there in the back and he's chatting with you guys online answering questions and making sure that the sound sounds good with Marshall and with Brad, Brad and, and my son is back there doing the graphics and doing all of these things the reason why our kids are back there is because when we leave on Sunday we go to bed and we know man I did something and for some of us all day long Monday through Saturday bro we're working and it's mundane and then we come here and I honor you bro because I know you're working Monday through Saturday I know you pulled 60 hours 139 hours I ain't never heard of that Jamal we got bro 139 hours when he was in crazy but you're pulling all these hours but yet you're coming on Sunday and you're still working hard because you find meaning in this thing it's the logos therapy it's literally what we base our church on. It's literally what Jesus said. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's that we would know God, that we would have God inside of us, clean us up, remove the junk out of our life, that we would find our purpose, and then that we would go out and make disciples, and that we would get activated. The logos therapy, your pain has a purpose, is what his whole premise of everything, what you've gone through, use it to be able to reach other people. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says, you intended to harm me. Come on, this was Joseph. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives what you've gone through process the pain and then use the pain to reach other people the last two number five the reasons why we go into depression isolation 
and loneliness. Isolation and loneliness. They call this thing social media. There is nothing social about it. There ain't nothing social about this thing. I, I knew that it was nothing social about this when I went to a concert and I called somebody by their Instagram handle. I said, bro, I don't even know your real name. Bro, we've been talking for years, but I called them by his Instagram handle. That's embarrassing. And this is what this creates. You think you have friends of 5,000 people that are following you on Facebook. You don't know any of them. When it's your birthday, people flood you with happy birthday. But bro, I don't even know who you are. You know it's my birthday because it was on Facebook. Do you know that the first problem of the Bible wasn't sin? The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. It wasn't Genesis chapter 3. It actually happened before that. It was when God looked at Adam and said it is not good for man to be alone. And then he fixed that problem by giving him Eve. We're not meant to live lives in isolation. That's why we never use the term social distancing when it comes to greater churches. The chairs are six feet apart because that's physical distancing. The reason why some of us are wearing masks and the reason why we're being careful and we sanitize everything, the reason why Jamal and some of the team comes in here and cleans this place every Saturday is because we want physical distancing because we want to care for your health. But we're never going to use the word social distancing because our leaders in our nation, and man, I don't judge them. I, don't, I promise you they did what they could. Whatever side of the spectrum you find yourself in, I'm not talking about political agendas. I'm just saying that we use the term that killed our nation. When we began to tell people that they have to isolate themselves and they have to be socially distanced from people. We were never meant to live alone. That was never meant for us. Our bodies cannot take that. We need to have people in our life that everybody doesn't need to know everything, but there needs to be somebody that knows something. And when we try to do it on our own, it's going to kill us every single time. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. It's going to come up here on the screens. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. Like, yo, we need each other. Isolation separates you away from people. But bro, you need people in your life. You need people that you can have real conversations with, that you can deal and process through stuff. And what happens is that isolation and lonely will always lead you into this depression, into this depressive state. So number one, we have meaningful work and values that lead us in there. Number two is comparison. Number three is ruminating talk. Number four is the inability to process pain in a healthy way. Number five is isolation and lonely. And number six, which I believe is one of the strongest reasons why we enter into depression. And it's not something that you're going to find in your, in your psychological books. I believe it and I know it with every shadow, every bit of my body is spiritual warfare. I believe that we enter into depression when we fall asleep. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7 it's something that you see in the disciples way back in the Bible Zechariah had already foresaw, foresaw what the disciples were going to do he said if you strike the sheep if you strike the shepherd the sheep will scatter and that's what's happened in so many different instances in our life our shepherd God Jesus was struck and all of a sudden the disciples went away yo I promise you that's what happens with us that's why male marriages the male in the marriage is always attacked so much more 
It's crazy that you would have organizations that are built around the thought of let's remove the male figure from the family. Let's remove this so that we can have our way. And what ends up happening is that you start watching the deterioration of communities of sons and daughters because there isn't a male in the picture to be able to help. And if I'm honest with you, some of you women have had to step into that male figure and you've done a job because for 40 two years of my life, 41 years of my life, I had a woman that developed me, strengthened me, and taught me. And she was my father figure. She was my mother figure. She was my grandma and my granddaddy. And the reason why I do the things that I do now and the reason why I've changed the way I changed is because of a woman. So please don't understand that I'm trying to bring this weird sex. Says, oh, women, you can't preach. You can't do any of this stuff. Yes, you can. And you've done a heck of a job with it while men have been absent because the enemy has tried to kill us. But the reason why it's because he's roaring, he's roaming around like a roaring lion. That's who Satan is. But when you hear that, watch this. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, be alert and be of sober mind. Wake up, wake up. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking and looking for someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Two things happened here. I was getting my teeth worked on. You might hear a little lift list or something because I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff right now. I was at the dentist and they said, what do you want to watch? And I was like, I ain't gonna watch a show. Like put National Geographic's on or something. I just watched that. And I started watching National Geographic's. And I started watching this lion or this tiger that was going to get these deers. And the deers were eating and the guy was talking and it was like, and I watched as this lion or this tiger, slowly but surely, he was inching. Have you ever seen that? A National Geographic, you seen that? He started walking towards them. I mean, super softly. And then what's crazy is that as he was going super softly, I started noticing, I'm like, yo, the grass, the trees, everything was yellow and black. And it looked just like the tiger. Like Josh, it was crazy. I'm like looking and I'm like, Yo, this is insane. And he's slowly walking up. And I mean, just slowly walking up. And then something happened. As he started doing that, something hit my mind where I was just like, hold on, this is crazy. This is how Satan, we think when we read this scripture that he's a roaring lion. Ah, that's what we think of. Yo, he's so stealthy. You don't even see him. There are things that he's doing in your life. You don't even know that it's the devil. It's a, he's creeping into your marriage. He's creeping into your relationship. He's creeping into your life, into your sanity. And he's slowly doing this thing and you can't see it. I'm watching the thing and I'm sitting here at this point. I'm like, I don't know what they're doing in my mouth. And I'm just sitting there watching this thing. And all of a sudden there were these monkeys that were all up on the trees. And one of the monkeys caught vision of the lion of the tiger and began to scream and started doing the noise. And all of a sudden the deer left. And then you see the lion, it, yo, the, the tiger, it was hilarious because the tire starts walking and the tire looked, the, the tiger looked depressed. Hey, if you know that tiger, tiger, tell him he can listen to the message, help him out. But the, he starts walking around depressed. He just like, oh, you know, goes away. And then I started thinking about this verse. Number one, yo, without a shadow of a doubt, the enemy's, uh, 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 he's prowling and he's looking to devour you. He has, he, I hate when people say, you know, I was serving the devil and I had so much money. I was doing good. Like, yo, do, do you understand the devil doesn't bless you? That's God. 
that that isn't the devil bro he doesn't give you stuff he takes he steals and he kills that's his job and his responsibility you blaming good on the devil and he comes and he's slowly creeping but then it happens watch what the bible says it says resist him and stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering when, when we're going through depression anxiety when we're going through these things we tend to think that we're the only people that are going through it but it's not true there's so many people that are going through it there's so many people around you that you're not by yourself not only is it that there are people that are going through it but there are people that have gone through it and got out of it and that God has placed those people around you I've told this story before and I think it's one of my favorite stories that I ever heard I'm gonna tell this story to the day that I die but it's this story about this individual that falls into a hole and he's in this hole and he's standing there at the bottom of this pit and the Bible and the Bible and the story goes that a, a pastor comes by and he says hey pastor Rev I need you to help me please help me get out this hole and the Reverend says I got you and he writes down Philippians 4.13 you can do all things to Christ who strengthens you he writes it on a piece of paper and he throws it into the hole and he said read that, read that brother it's gonna help you he's like I need what hold on I need a rope help me out then a doctor comes by and the guy says yo doc I'm in this hole I fell in this hole can you help me out and the doctor says I got you and he writes him a prescription and he throws a prescription in the hole he's like man what the heck and then all of a sudden he sees this other random guy just walk by He's like, yo, Johnny, yo, I'm in this hole. Dude, you're in a hole. I know I fell into this hole. How'd you fall into the hole? I tripped and I fell into the hole. I need some help to get out of this hole. Bro, you in a hell. You need help. And he, he jumps in the hole. And he jumps in the hole. And now he's sitting there with Johnny like, what's up he's like bro what are you doing bro i'm in the hole like i need help you're supposed to throw a rope now two of us are in the hole the pastor sent me a scripture the doctor gave me a prescription and now you're jumping in the hole now now they got to rescue two of us what are we gonna do i'm gonna eat you if you die first like what are we gonna do and he says to him something he said listen to me don't freak out i fell into this hole last week i know how to get out of this hole that's what happens when you come to church that's what happens when you have individuals in your life that can actually help you and that's what happens when you actually put your life in the hands of Jesus because Jesus has been in that hole Jesus understood what it meant for your soul to be broken because the Bible says in John chapter 11 verse 35 when Jesus knew that John was dead that he was inside of the grave the Bible says and Jesus wept the Bible says when he was in the garden that he was anguished to the point of death you ever felt that you ever been in such anguish that you just want to die and this is where you find Jesus at where he began to bleed drops or sweat drops of blood Jesus understands exactly where we are he's not unfamiliar with the hole that you found yourself in he's actually been there and he knows how to bring you out of that place today for so many of us we've lived in these spaces and it feels like little by little life has just burdened us and burdened us and we have nothing that's meaningful in our life and we wish we can do so much more and we're wasting so much of our time with so many different tactics it doesn't have to just be your phone social media it's just be life 
we've compared ourselves to everything that you can imagine and now we're dressed we're thinking we're thinking that our future needs to look like the future of somebody else we're finding ourselves in isolation lonely without having friends anybody in your life we're constantly talking down on ourselves and we've began to believe the lies that we told ourselves we're finding ourselves in spaces where we don't even know how to process the things that happen to us we just think this happens to people we're just going to keep muscling through and you haven't gone back and dealt with it and thought about it and then we're getting bombarded by the enemy and satan has been prowling and slowly but surely he's been finding himself and he has you right here by the neck and it feels like there's so much pressure where you can't even breathe and this is what life feels like you wake up in the morning and it's just like it's just something right there on your back there's just a pressure Galatians says that it is for freedom that God wants you to be free and he can jump in that hole with you and he can rescue you there's two people that I want to talk to here I want to talk to some individuals who you feel like that pressure is on you and you feel like you've been living in that on a regular basis and you kind of feel like Joseph where you feel like you're having this thought and you're ready to end it whether it's the divorce whether it's the relationship it might even be just church it might be Jesus and for some of us it might be just end it meaning your life whether you're here in person or you're watching online I want to take a moment and we want to pray for you but I also want to extend an invitation for some of us we feel like we're still in that hole and being in that hole feels like it's the most depressing darkest thing in the world and people don't understand it and they're just walking by you today I want to give you an opportunity to get out of that hole we believe that getting out of that hole here at greater church is for you to know God He's the one that gets in there and he's the one that gets you out of there. We believe that that means salvation. We get saved by God. He rescues us. It's the plan of salvation. It is the gospel that he would come down from heaven. That he would find himself right in the hole with you. That he would die for your sins. Three days later, he would resurrect and he will pull you out of that hole because he himself was in the grave and got himself out of that hole by the power that works in us. The gospel is that God would save you, that he would rescue you. Now all over this place, would you do me a favor and would you bow your heads for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us.